You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode one of the Microsoft Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Yammer product evangelist Steve Nguyen. <laughs> Hey, this is Christian Buckley, and this is the first official, the inaugural Microsoft Buzz Chat. Uh, and so I've got Steve Nguyen with me from Microsoft. Steve, how's it going? I'm doing great. I'm honored to be the first Microsoft Buzz Chat. Thank you for inviting me. You're the guinea pig. So everything <laughs> that you know can go wrong will go wrong in this first one. But We're all about experimentation here, Exactly. Right? It's an iterative process. We'll learn, and then we'll look back and laugh about the one that we did with Steve. Do you remember when Steve did that? Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think that what's consistent about these, whether I'm interviewing MVPs or now Microsoft uh, folks, is uh, just to get to know uh, people out there in the community and how they can get in contact with, with you and, and learn more about what you're doing. So why don't you start off by introducing yourself, kind of the long version. Sure, I'll, I'll try to keep it somewhat short, but yeah, so I'm a product evangelist with the Yammer team. I've been with the Yammer team since uh, before the acquisition. I, I joined Yammer before the acquisition as a customer success manager. Um, and in my, just, just in general in my career, I've always had a passion around helping people be more productive with technology, uh, helping people be more effective. And uh, Yammer just offered me a great platform to help help people communicate in new ways, help people collaborate in different ways. And uh, I've always just been really passionate about the transformative ways we've seen uh, people be able to connect and share information. And that's just, that's what kind of gets me excited and gets me passionate about the work that work that I do. So did you move up for, were you in the Bay, Bay area prior to acquisition? I'm actually, I, I'm based in Minneapolis, so you can see kind of the, the greenery here behind me, but um, so I'm based in Minneapolis. I've, I've, I've always been based here. Previous to uh, joining Yammer, I used to work at a company called Cargill. If, if any of you have ever heard of Cargill, large uh, global food manufacturing company. Mm -hmm. And uh, as part of my time there, I, I, I worked in kind of the emerging technology space for a bit. I spent some time in uh, leading our, our the technology and our learning and development group there. Um, but then also, that was kind of my first exposure to Yammer and helping to introduce Enterprise Social into a, an organization like Cargill. And that's kind of where I got my foot in the door with Yammer. And I know that you know, Cargill has one or two MVPs. And, and you know, um, I know that it has been you know, kind of a you know, case study and deployment on, you know, for for Yammer and different people talking about and sharing experiences. In fact, I think there wasn't there a Cargill uh, uh, you know, use case or scenarios shared at, at Ignite in this last year? Yeah, Melanie Hohertz is one of our uh, Microsoft MVPs, uh, Yammer MVPs, and um, she's been just a phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal leader at Cargill and, and a phenomenal, phenomenal leader in the enterprise social space in general. So uh, it's been great watching the progression of, of Cargill, not just with Yammer, but also with uh, kind of their journey with Office 365. And uh, Melanie's just been a great advocate uh, since over the years. Like she did uh, back in, what was it? Uh, I think it was SharePoint Conference 2014. Um, she did one of the, what I think is kind of one of the seminary Yammer presentations from a customer perspective ever. It was just one of the best uh, uh, presentations that I still reference people to. It was, it was really awesome. Was that the superhero related one? 
No, that was this year, actually. Oh, yeah, she, this year. Simon, yeah, she and Simon Denton did a, a kind of a Teams and Yammer Better Together story, and they they uh, dressed up as superheroes for that one. Too bad we couldn't get that one actually on video. Yeah. But, uh, well, you know, that, that actually brings up a good point. So I my most recent uh, MVP interview was with Kevin Crossman, so talk, and we talked about that like he had written most re more recently an, an article that was the yammer not versus teams but you know it's it's part of the ongoing uh you know which tool do i use when series that is uh, evolved over the years as people try to understand um because it's never it's not versus the tools and right. uh, it, it's very much like well here's the scenarios where one you know uh, the where it fits and and maybe the right solution for you versus mm -hmm. the other um, so when you talk to customers about that, you're evangelizing them from the Yammer perspective. So how do you uh, explain to customers of the when to use Yammer, when to use Teams? Yeah, it's for me. It's it's certainly an and situation. Uh, it's uh, what you mentioned the the superhero presentation that uh, Melanie and, and Simon and, and Sarah from Cardio also uh, did at Ignite. And one of the things that um, that Melanie talks about in that session is that it's really all about the audience. And when you think about kind of she actually what she says, it's about who's in the room. And if you think about yeah. what Teams is, maybe even if you think about what um, email is to a large degree, is you kind of know exactly who you're addressing, right? You know, you're, you're, there's a requirement around addressability. I know that Christian and whoever are gonna be in that team, or I know Christian and whoever are addressed on that email. But the, the real benefit that Yammer provides is that you don't always know who has the information that you need. You don't always know who has, who's gonna have the answer to the question that you have. Uh, so Yammer allows allows companies to kind of know what it knows when the person on the on this side of it maybe doesn't know who is going to know, right? Um, so that there's also you know personal analogies that I use. You know, um, you know I think of of teams as being that that uh, perhaps generally smaller place, uh, smaller uh, group of people that I interact with on a very frequent basis. Um, but oftentimes I need to break out and I get any diversity of thought. I need diversity of ideas and I need to get out of that, that team of people that I work with, get to a broader place, whether that's, you know, some other department in the organization, some other function, some other expertise in the organization. Yeah, there's, um, so I did a session. I was just, you know, just returned yesterday from, um, uh, from New Zealand, from Auckland and the digital workplace conference for New Zealand. And one of the sessions that I did was, um, leveraging SharePoint through Teams, and or better leveraging SharePoint through Teams, and but yeah. it, uh, I make the same point. I, I share the the slide, which most people have seen now, the the inner loop, outer loop, and went through a section of that presentation and talked about, um, you know, why, uh, you know, when you you look at every problem, uh, uh, you know, it, it's if you get a solution that's your hammer, every problem looks like a nail. And we saw that with certainly with SharePoint, where we've tried to use SharePoint for to solve every problem. But you can make the same mistake with every technology that's out there. And building out an intranet and or formal extranet is the right answer sometimes, not all the time. Building out a Yammer community is the right thing some of the times, not all the time. And Teams, it's and you know, and so it's uh, to to understand that. I mean, certainly there's, it's a much more complex thing than, than, than that. That's looking from the technology standpoint. 
and there are there are issues if your organization has needs like most if not all organizations have in each of those different scenarios is then how do you keep all of that organized that's really what people are asking talking yeah. about like, yeah, but I also think people want the freedom to be able to communicate in the medium or channel that makes sense to them or you know, what they're trying to accomplish. It's actually look at, sorry, I was looking back and just, just like, don't pay attention to me, but actually a book I was going to pull out and it's right here. So this one, you know, to your other point, and I, I've talked about this for years. I mean, it's a, it's a fairly easy read, but I really like it. The social organization. I don't know, um, Steve, if you've read this one, but to your, to your point of, you know, knowing the audience, I'll do this, the formal sponsor of this today's session. Yeah, you'll put a link in the show notes to, to buy it. <laughs> right, of course. Um, and using my discount code. Now, um, no, but uh, one of the, the, the points the authors make is that uh, there's really kind of three components to successful collaboration, no matter what the technology is, is, um, one, to understand what is the community that, that you're trying to reach. I mean, that's to your point. If it's sometimes the community is your entire company, we want everyone to be part of this community. Then you might have a community, a sub-community of the business unit that you're in or the, the team of you as the manager and your five direct reports, or it might even be a project with you and one or two other people. Each of those is a community and has a different scope. The second point is that you need to know then the, the, the social mechanisms of that community. And social doesn't mean social networking, that kind of thing. It, it, it could be those technologies, but it's to understand what are the right mechanisms for communication. And then the third and final thing is the, you have to have that purpose. Like, what are we here for? What are we trying to accomplish? So when you're clear on the community, you're clear on, the, the right mechanisms for communicating, because some of those are cultural, some of them are just, you know, for efficiency, we need to, you know, use these the tools. And the yeah. third is what's our, what's our purpose, what's our goal? And you go and you, if you try to apply one technology, whether it be SharePoint or Yammer or anything, and, and it's not gonna be the right fit at, you know, one or more of those. Um, and, and so that's, that's what you need to go in and, and look and do, and before you even talk technology. But that's so, kind so of the book. So, Sorry, yeah. No so you mentioned community, and and you did the you did the lab talk recently on, on this topic of community. And I'm curious your perspective and on uh, what's the role of community in the future of work. Well, again, depending on the scope of that community, because I think there was a there were some valid points that uh, um, and we were talking about the the tweet jam that we did this last month, and we were talking about community management. And so you go to Collab Talk to my blog at Buckley Planet and uh, search on the tweet jams, and that was the April 2018 tweet jam that we did the topic. Yeah. Um, and Mark Rackley made some points and says, hey, you don't need to have community managers. There's a lot of things that happen in community. My argument was that you don't, may not have somebody who is like the owner of the community, the creator of it. It may, may rise within that, but naturally there are community management managers, community leaders that rise up, that help. It could be very much in the forefront. It could be in the background of that. Um, but community is an important aspect of getting collaborative work done it, it is it's essential it's the i mean 15 years ago i'm trying to think longer than that wow scary 20 years ago 
um, 98, 99, 2000, that, that time frame. Um, and I used to talk a lot about, you know, tapping into the collective unconscious of your organization. That's what I was yeah. talking about was you're yeah. getting into that. It, if you're going to innovate, like uh, I could come up with some brilliant ideas. You and I, I share my ideas. You're a lot of innovation is built off of the ideas of others and we help each other. So it's not just the addition of two people's brains. It's then exponentially we can you know, do more um, by building off of each other's ideas, vetting each other's ideas. That's what community does inside of an enterprise. Yeah, and I, you know, we we talk a lot about recently about teamwork and uh, obviously very very important because we none of us really succeed on our own anymore within our companies, right? We don't do projects alone, and uh, you know, even about that more broadly. If you've read the book Team Team, uh, Team of Teams, I kind of think is like pulling communities of teams together, right? And um, that, to me, I don't think that that's a, a notion that a lot of organizations have really uh, pinned down and really done a, a, lot, a really good job with, uh, at least not, not at not that scale. And I think at least there's still a lot of opportunity for, for companies to think about the role of community and to their well, well, the hard thing is that you have a lot of uh, organizations and, and Microsoft, the, the old way, the old culture, you know, uh, when I was there a um, decade ago was, was very much like this. So, you know, how much, no, no matter how much they talked about collaboration and teamwork, um, the, the system was set up to reward the individual contributor. And so for people to go off on their own and, and kind of be these, these heroes, create these you know, solutions or, or, or solve the problem for the, for the team um, versus this collaborative effort. And it's, I'll say it's because sometimes it's harder to do it with. Like I, I can shut the door, just work on a document, get something done and just finish that. But again, it's the, it would be the, 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 you know, the results of like my ideas of me alone, uh, you know, the information that I pull in there versus as we do this as a collaborative, it, it takes skill. It takes practice to be able to do that well. So, so you mentioned uh, closing the door and focusing. So we, let's maybe shift topics a little bit. One of the things I am geeking out with people about, especially people like you, is how are you productive? What are some of the things that you do to be? Or what are some of your latest things that you do in order to be individually productive? Well, I mean, one of the things that I do, and I'm having fun with this uh, behind me too. Nice. It's it's refreshing something on its own. I didn't authorize anything. Uh, nice. Anyway, that's a different discussion. Um, but uh, some of the things that I do, like I uh, have for many many years, have been uh, an a, a extensive uh, you know, OneNote user, and so capturing thoughts, capturing ideas, um, uh, wherever I travel, I have like a spiral notepad. So even if I don't have something with me, I've got, you know, mm -hmm. a pad and, and pen and make sure I capture ideas, things to do, um, tasks and, but, and ideas. Um, I, you know, read a lot of magazines, will write in the margins, tear it out, mark it up, go down, enter things in. They'll eventually find their way into that one note um, and then share those things out. Um, just too much like I'm pushing the book there. <laughs> 
but you know, uh, share out that that those bits of information, or I'll even as I'm thinking about it, you know, hey, this this would be fantastic. Steve needs to know about this, and then as soon as I get back, hey, Steve came across this article. Here's a link to it. Here was my thoughts on this, and it may not even be fully formed, but to try and put it in context, why I think it's a value to you, and you know, push that across to you. But so that's that's something yeah, where I into a single place. It sounds like you. Right. Well, I, and so I will, yeah, I use, like I said, I use one note and then one of the yeah. things that I do um, now is um, so I kind of, my tools of my trade or, um, you know, for a small business owner, I do just about everything inside of teams and there's SharePoint that's behind that, but I don't have a formal, uh, you know, intranet, I, a company of five people. I don't need to have a formal intranet. Um, but I then use uh, Yammer for external groups uh, and, uh, you know, then email that shared calendar, which is all on Office 365. And so a lot of the OneNotes I have, so I have my desktop version or the ver same version that's on my laptop when I travel that then um, has one view into the note, OneNote notepads inside each of those different teams and, and project areas. So I, it is all this centralized one place for all that information. Yeah. Uh, and then the folks that need to get to that um, can are members of that team, a member of that, you know, OneDrive account, have access to that, can get to it through those respective channels. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I find myself back and forth between the digital and the analog. And uh, I oftentimes refresh my processes. I get, I get kind of bored with the digital and need the, need to kind of refresh myself with the analog and the pen and pad. And, uh, I, I do, I do what's called a bold journaling technique if you're familiar with that. Um, so I've been, uh, yeah, I can, I'll send you um, It's, uh, it, often, I, I'm probably the same. You've got to pause and, and refocus and iterate and figure out like, what in your purpose is working to make sure. Uh, sometimes it, it, the old method just to scale and you ignore them and you just, you know, you don't get, I don't feel like I get the same activity out of the same process no and and that's why i one of the reasons i like having a like kind of a digital format of things is you've got your priorities and look i'm a big fan of like kanban list management and that kind of thing because dragging and dropping things around because your priorities could change daily or even multiple times in a day depending on you know what what's happening around a, a project or initiative and what needs to be done and and so you, you have to be like I used to say as a project manager, I would always say like, look, I'm moving forward on the plan of record until we decide and you know, that, that the changes need to happen there. And, and, you know, you fought hard around decisions and but once a decision was made, go and execute on that. It's now the new plan of, uh, of record. And yeah. you just have to be flexible. I think that's part of what makes community collaborative work um, successful is this yeah. willingness, the ability to be flexible about those priorities and changes and roll with those changes? Well, I think so. What I think is interesting about that is that uh, it's interesting to consider our individual productivity habits and then how, how do we blend those in a team structure? So when we start working, you know, in, in its team, what happens if my individual productivity habits interfere or uh, uh, different than yours. Those are those are things I, I find interesting in helping teams think about coming together around their productivity, reconciling their productivity. Habits. 
uh, together so they can be effective as a team. Well, I mean, that's a great point because different people, different styles. Um, there are there are some people that are just are the most uh, effective, efficient, and said love email, and that's you know how they work. And it's um, well, let me ask you this: Have you ever done? Uh, you've been you know with Microsoft long enough. Have you ever done like the insights training or the? Yeah, you know, the, yeah we were just talking about that this week, actually. Yeah. Do you have yeah. your colored bricks? Can are we able to I see don't that? Have my bricks. I don't have my bricks on me. I uh, I've been doing this practice of uh, minimization minimalization recently, where I've been purging a lot of stuff. I thought I had mine up on the shelf that I could. I, I don't see them up there, but uh, I, I actually honestly don't even remember what the colors are. When I thought colors, yellow is like relationship. It's the collaborative. Yeah, I think, it's, I think I'm like yellowish green. Yeah, so it was uh, yellow is the collaboration. Green is that like people the support that that side of things supportive. Blue is the data, and red is the driver. The go 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 take action. I think and I'm yellow, I, yellow green. Yeah, I, I am a almost equal yellow red, but I was uh, yeah um, eighty two yellow seventy eight red, and then green, then blue. Yeah. I'm not the data guy. I'm not, I very much of the it's like you know the collaborative guys like we'll we'll hire that guy, you know? yeah, yeah. we'll outsource it. Um, but it's um, but it's interesting. But that the, the whether or not you buy into that the model, I actually you know it's 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 based on the uh, uh, what is it the uh, uh, the analysis tools around that. Anyway, uh, um, it is, uh, it goes back to kind of the, the, the psychology, um, uh, you know, behind that and the different personality, the styles. And if you go through any of that kind of leadership training, it's not so much about, I mean, it's one thing to understand your personality traits, what you lead with, um, your, your, your preferences, your style, those kinds of things. But what's more interesting is when you start to understand how your dominant traits um, collaborate best with the other uh, traits, the other personality styles, and what works more effectively. And getting that kind of training, and that's why it's always useful to do something like that with your team. So then if you see, like, here are my peers, and you start even to understand, hey, this is why I struggle with that person. We're like on the opposite sides of the wheel here. And the most effective, and then you say, yeah, where I've had good interactions with that person is because we use this style. We did this thing. Um, and I, so I don't know if you guys went through that extent with your team, if you've ever done that kind of leadership development. Um, but I mean, there's so much of that that pertains to just collaboration in general. You're going to get kids. Kids Hello. coming home from school. Say hi. Hi. Hello. We're recording. Uh, we haven't. I, I haven't gone extensively into that uh, into that level of training. We actually were going through some leadership uh, training, so to speak, last week. Uh, the Amber Leadership Team. Uh, we're, we were meeting this week, and uh, we met together as a group to kind of talk about like leadership principles, you know, around things like clarity, energy, um, focus, that sort of thing. Um, so I, yeah, was, you know, there's still lots more to dig into in those areas for us, but, um, yeah, definitely as a leadership team from a Yammer perspective, we're having a lot of those. A lot of it, you know, I, I, I believe to me, one of the biggest leadership is around safety and creating safety for employees and 
an environment in which people, I think safety then is trust. Um, especially, you know, from a leadership perspective, I think that lends itself into community. Uh, the topic we were discussing before is you create safety, uh, you build trust, and it, uh, kind of comfort in people's ability to, to shape yeah it it's it's um again because if if people feel safe feel confident it, then because what you have is you, you look at a typical organization there's always the you know or sitting in a meeting you know of seven ten people there's always you know two or three people that are perfectly comfortable and asking questions and raising issues and all those kinds of things and they're they have no problem with that kind of environment and and the issue there is is that while they're the loudest, they may not know what they're talking about, may not be the right people for that feedback. And so by having, and I think this is the, so you know, part of the answer, like for a successful collaborative environment and being able to provide flexible solutions, different options for different styles to participate. Mm -hmm. um, and it might be, and that's why I think like a good manager that is having this team meeting, like doesn't just walk out of the meeting and go, well, that's it. And that's, these are all the questions I'd asked. I mean, the reality, it could be that some people, they need to then go pull into their office and have a one-on-one -on -one to, to get their feedback because they weren't comfortable in raising certain topics and others will respond via email or, you know, and others will be more comfortable if you take a small, you know, two or three out to lunch and have a further discussion around it. All of those things inform then that that information. If you are relying on just the one, that one meeting for thirty minutes for an hour, sitting around the table where only three or four out of ten were talking, you know, you're not going to get the full, mm. you know, insight, benefit, knowledge, that collective unconscious of the of the group. Yeah, there's been such an emphasis on, on diversity needed, right? But also, I think there's. Uh, also have been more emphasis lately on inclusion too. So it, it, obviously there's the DNI initiative that you can't have one, but you shouldn't consider one without something, right? Well, even, you know, look, there, there's, there's a reason why even in like, you, you, you have, have QA teams or you have uh, some engineering styles where you have peer review around that, you know, because they just learned that, you know, one, one person going like will will make mistakes and I think that no, no matter how good you are how much of an expert you are that you benefit from having the input of others and so you know creating those mechanisms um, and having again different types of uh, of mechanisms to, to, to get that feedback is why it's going to be more successful um, yeah. but I mean I do a lot of stuff in, in, in research uh, you know the collab talk that's part of what we go and do these independent research projects and even then we have that as part of that um, uh, primary research for those projects there where there are surveys there's focus groups there's interviews that are happening there's things that are named and anonymous um, there are you know you know open-ended questions there's the you know please let us know if there's anything else you know send back information all of that which we then compile before doing the analysis it's not just a it's just not robust enough to send out a survey of 15 20 questions and think there's going to be ever any level of accuracy around that that information, no matter what it is that you're you're doing, there you have to leave space for different styles, and uh, and, and for different types of input. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I apologize. I have to wrap up. 
Um, yeah, no worries. I know we, we've kind of gone over anyway here, but. Yeah, Chef Link, I'm just coming up, and uh, my next uh, my next hour is uh, in preparation for some of our sessions. Well, awesome. Well, Steve, I mean, we'll see you down there. I, I don't know if I'll see you next week out at uh, at, at Build, but uh, thanks a lot for your time. And how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, thanks for having me. You can uh, reach me on Twitter at uh, ESP, and then my last name, Tislao at Sound, N-G-U-Y-E-N, so E-S-P-N-G-U-Y-E-N. Well, Steve, thanks a lot and uh, enjoy the, the, the weather. I guess, you, are, are you even heading out this, are you heading over next week or are you staying away from campus? And no, we'll see you? I'll, I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll, I'll see you in, uh, in Vegas. See you in yeah, Vegas. Definitely. All right. Thanks a lot. Talk to you All later. Right.